0: You'll never walk alone. We, we've been trying to live into this vision for our community for a little over a year now. It's a new take on the idea of belonging and understanding that together we can go far. Together we can make a difference. Together we can do what cannot be done in isolation. Isolation. It's an interesting season to live out this vision, isn't it? Renegotiating spaces of connection and relationship. Striving and struggling to find connection. Knowing that from time to time we're failing. Failing ourselves. And failing each other. Knowing that we're not living up to one another's expectations and yet knowing that we're giving all that we can and yet not necessarily receiving all that we need. It's a strange tension, a difficult sphere to negotiate, and it's going to require an awful lot of grace and mercy from each of us in this season towards ourselves and towards one another. There's not really a good playbook for how to walk together through isolation and social distancing. And if you have one tucked away somewhere, please share it with me. Seriously, if you know how to do this stuff well, please let me know. Because right now it feels like we're all flopping around like fish out of water. Just, just trying to catch our breath and find the river of life. Be kind to one another in this season. Be kind to yourself in this season. And together, we'll continue to experiment and try new things. We'll create and hope wrestle and wrangle and strive and labor to live this out here and now. You'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. I love the beautiful complexity that's wrapped up in this simplistic phrase. There's a lot to glean from it, especially as you walk through the streets and open your eyes to the loneliness that looks back at you with a vacant gaze, the downtrodden, those without a place to call home, the lonely and hurting, the angry and frightened. There are so many who are walking through this life alone, and that's what makes our church community unique. We're trying to be a part of the antidote to the rampant aloneness that runs unabated in this world today. By caring for one another, yes, but but also reaching out to those around us, inviting them into our shared spaces of of love. You see, this shared experience of loneliness isn't new. It's been a reality since the foundation of time, and, and the antidote? The antidote has been found in the body of believers who place Jesus at the center of their community and fellowship, who time and again open new spaces of belonging and togetherness for others because they have learned and they have seen the actions and posture of Jesus himself. This is why we're sitting in and walking through these eight miracles in the book of John. It's an opportunity for us to see and learn and know who this Jesus is and what he was about, how he went about it, and and what all of this meant and means for us today. How, How we can be more and more and more like Jesus, living and loving more like him which is what's so beautiful and fascinating about the third miracle in John's good news about Jesus. It happens at a pool surrounded by a great number of the lonely and the forgotten. Now, this wasn't just any kind of pool. Certainly not the kind of pool we might think about today. It was more like a fountain, a large repository of water, and people believed that this water and this pool were special, that it held some miraculous and mystical power. and, and every so often, at random points and times an angel would come down from heaven, stir the waters, and whoever made it into the water first would be healed. Which is what drew the lonely to its waters. The pool was surrounded by a great number of people with with varying maladies. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, all sitting around and waiting for the waters to be stirred and then then competing with one another to get in first for their magical, mystical, miraculous healing. Which would make for quite a scene, right? I, I can't imagine that it was a nice and orderly process getting into the water once the water began to to move. And I'm sure people came to watch the infirmed fight and claw and grab and push and shove and kick and bite, climbing over one another, knocking each other over to the ground, all as they attempted to be the first in the pool. A mad dash, take no prisoners approach to getting into that water before anyone else. All to experience the joy and the wonderment, the healing, and freedom that they believed these waters would provide them. It was every man, woman, and child for themselves, alone, burning bridges amongst one another, left and right, all for hope. This was a pool of hope, surrounded by those who were hanging on by a thread, alone, waiting, holding on for that next random opportunity, and yet I can't imagine this was a place free from drama or animosity or even hatred, right? Grudges, long held, comments of vitriol and anger hurled at random, bitterness welling up in their hearts and minds. Can you imagine the hierarchical pecking order that would have surrounded that pool? Those who had been there the longest and the strongest maintaining the best strategic positions among the infirmed. The best positions between the street and the pool. Positions that afforded them the best opportunity to receive money from the passerbys and the best opportunity to bolt into the water at a moment's notice. It was survival of the fittest. And Jesus stepped into that mess where he met Frank, who was sitting on the ground on his mat while people walked by. And the commotion of of the other infirmed jockeying for position all around him, bickering and complaining. This created the soundtrack of his life. I wonder what drew Jesus to Frank over all the others. Was it the despondent look on his face as he gazed at nothing? Did he have a wry little smile as he reminisced about his life past, life before everything changed? Was his face marked by streaks of dry, dirt stained tears? Whatever it was, Jesus stopped engaged him in conversation and listened to his story, hearing about his faded hope, knowing that he was going to live out the rest of his life here on this mat in front of this pool, begging. But how do you know that, you might ask? When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. The best way to learn about someone is to listen to their story. And Jesus listened to Frank's story intimately deeply. This wasn't a quick momentary experience. Jesus took time with Frank. Have you ever done this? Have you ever sat with someone who was just so lonely and and took an interest in them? How their face lights up and they share stories of their family, of their life, of their grandkids, of their childhood, of happy and wonderful moments? Jesus did this with Frank. He sat with him, took time with him and learned that Frank had been this way for 38 years. And Frank probably lit up sharing stories of his childhood, of, of climbing trees, of running around with his friends, playing duck duck goose or tag, laughing and smiling. But not since he was, was a boy. Not since the accident or the illness, that moment frozen in time when he lost the, when he lost the use of his legs. He hadn't known what life would be like. And now, family gone, friends gone. He was all alone, left to sit on this mat and beg. He'd long lost the hope of healing, of of getting into the pool when its waters were stirred. Long ago, someone helped him get here, into this position, into this place. But now, he was left abandoned, alone. And as the joy and the hope faded from his face and his voice. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Which is an interesting question, right? I I mean, I've never met anyone who would say no to that question, nah, I'm good. And Frank, perhaps seeing a bit of an opportunity here, allowing just a bit of hope to creep back into his being, looking at Jesus as a friendly face, Someone who may actually sit with him, stay with him, help him move closer to the pool, even play the role of lead blocker parting the sea of the infirmed as Frank is thrust into the stirred waters and healed. He can almost see it. And Frank passively says to Jesus, I don't have anyone to help me into this pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Maybe this Jesus guy, who has already shown, shown him so much kindness, will will do him another kindness and stay just a little longer, wait with him just a little while more, helping him into the pool. Maybe this is Frank's lucky day. And I love Jesus' question and, and Frank's assumption. You see, Jesus wasn't just asking Frank if he wanted to be better, but if he wanted to be made whole. Y- you see, health in this instance wasn't just body but mind and soul a totality of wholeness and interconnectedness of the person and and this is what Jesus is asking Frank do you want that do you want to be made whole I mean of course Jesus so sit with me make me whole be the person to bring me some community some relationship pull me out of my loneliness by just sitting with me some more and that the next time that water is stirred, you and me, together, we've got this. And as hope rises in Frank, Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, the man was cured. I can just see Frank laying there when all of a sudden the nerves in his legs begin firing for the first time in 38 years the sensation returning immediately, the the muscles beginning to jump and spasm, and and Frank's eyes getting all wide as confusion and perplexity wash over his face. Did that just happen? And while the healing was immediate, the realization wasn't. Frank had to process everything that was going on here. I, I can just see him wiggling his toes bending his knees, pulling them up close to his chest and pushing them away, his, his mouth drawn open in amazement, eyes widening as he, as he tried on his new pair of legs. And just as Jesus told him, he rolled up his mat and walked away. And I've always wondered, did anyone else see this? Did any of the others who were waiting by the pool see what happened? Or was it a few hours later, Hey, did you guys see where Frank crawled off to? He, he owes me a dollar. Did he just step and vanish? Now, beyond the miracle, this is, this is where the story gets spicy. You see, Jesus did this on the Sabbath, something that was strictly prohibited. You can't heal people or perform miracles on the Sabbath. It was written into the law by the religious leaders of the day, a, a, a twisted understanding of the meaning of the Sabbath that Jesus challenged in this moment. And, and, and what's more, you couldn't perform any laborious acts like carrying a mat. And here's Frank, with his mat rolled up under his arm, out for a stroll, trying out his legs with little Jimmy Cricket hops here and there, breeze in his air, whistling a familiar tune as he walks down the street without a care, until he runs into the religious leaders. Um, excuse me? What exactly do you think you're doing carrying that mat? It's the Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat. Y- you can just see Frank fumbling over his words, trying to figure out just exactly what he'd done wrong. I, it was the guy who made me well. He he told me to do it, but, but he had no idea who it was. He hadn't even caught Jesus' name, which is fascinating, right? That sometimes we get so caught up in our own mess that we fail to reciprocate. We fail to listen to other people's stories, to truly connect on a deeper level, to to even get their name. Now Frank eventually finds Jesus again, learns his name, and, and he tells the religious leaders who did this so that he wouldn't get in trouble. And they weren't very happy with Jesus and his miracles. You see, the Sabbath is sacred. The Sabbath isn't just about rest or even restfulness. But according to Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, the Sabbath is the space where the two worlds of heaven and earth meet. It's a sanctuary we enter into, providing us the opportunity to touch heaven, to experience the goodness of the eternal, to experience a taste of the life to come. And here's Jesus giving this ushering him into a different existence on the Sabbath, giving him a taste of heaven as he strolls down the street, able-bodied for the first time in 38 years, but still holding his mat, still carrying his past with him, because the mat is a part of him. That mat, his life, his experiences, all of it are a part of him, and they're important. Even the heel carried the reminders of their past with them. It makes them who they are, a valuable and loved child of God. And nothing changes that. You see, these are the signs of life that Jesus is calling us into. To be a, a people who help others taste the goodness of heaven in the here and now. To be a people who not only pray on earth as it is in heaven, but work to make that possible right here, right now. That is what makes Easter tide what it is. We live in the wake of resurrection, a people who are called to bring healing and wholeness to those around us in the now. This is our mission. This is our our deep, deep calling. I I love the the poetic way in which St. Teresa of Avila put it. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet in which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are his body. Christ has no body on this earth but yours. You'll never walk alone. And together we can make a difference. Together, we can create change. Together, we can be the hands and feet, the eyes and the body of Christ. Together, we are not alone. And together, we are writing a new story in the lives of each other and in the lives of our neighbors and in the lives of those who need us to pause and just sit with them in the mess. This is Easter Eastertide. And together we get to help peel back the veil and show the world where heaven meets earth with a reinvigorated and renewed imagination. May we step into the mess that surrounds us with the hope of Eastertide, with a newfound purpose and spirited intentionality. May we be the hands and feet, the eyes and the body of Christ. May we bring hope and love of Jesus wherever we may be and wherever we may go. May we see the emergence of Easter as we pray and as we strive to see it made possible on earth as it is in heaven.